in song. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 50. I've, uh, I've had three different messages <clears throat> that I intended to preach this morning. And, uh, you know, sometimes the Lord puts something on your heart and he, he just won't quit. And there's a particular verse that I'll read here in a little bit that I just can't get off of my mind. Even this morning, came to the office and gave Tim the title for the message today. And uh, I thought, okay, I got that settled. I've made up my mind. And, uh, and, uh, but the Lord uh, had to change that too. So a lot of times, you know, we make up our mind what we're going to do and then ask God to bless it. When God has something altogether different in mind and I've just not been able to get this verse off of my heart I've never heard anybody preach a sermon on it I've never preached a sermon on it. I I'm going to be honest I'd never in all of these years re- really took a lot of notice of it I've read it but that's about it but uh, I, I learned a long time ago it's a whole lot better that I say what God wants than what I think because what he says is more important than what I say about what he says Amen. Amen. Reminds me of a man that was, um, had gone to the preacher for some counseling. He was just in a terrible state of depression. And, uh, and so they're sitting there and the preacher uh, starts out by saying, well, you know, you, you say that you failed in every business venture that you've ever tried. And all you do is speak about your failures. And, and the man says, yeah, that's right. That's why I'm here. And so the preacher said, well, now... He said, you must get the power of positive thinking. You've got to forget about those failures. You've got to think positively and never, never think negatively about anything. And he said, you could start that right now. Will you do that? And so the man looked at uh, the preacher and said, yes, sir. He said, after listening to you, I'm now positive I'm going to fail again. (laughs) And, uh, you know, sadly... Sadly, stories like that happen all too often. Let me tell you right now, the only kind of positive thinking that really works is faith in God. Amen. Amen. That works. That's the only thing that really works. Now, it's good to have a positive attitude, but you can build a positive attitude upon unrealistic hopes. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to fail. I mean, whenever I was a kid, I, I just I kept thinking that if I keep jumping off of this, this shed and flapping my wings or, or doing like Superman, I thought, you know, eventually maybe I can, I can fly. It never did work, and uh, it, it never would work, you see. And a lot, we've misled a lot of little kids by that story, the little engine that could. Well, let me tell you that sometimes the little engine can't. And there's sometimes that we, you know, we get ourselves in that situation and just having a positive attitude, everything is not going to change the reality of what you're going through. And and so we can't put our trust in, in our own positive attitude. The verse I'm talking about is verse number 10. I'm going to read it and then comment on it just a little bit. Verse 10 Isaiah chapter number 50. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in, uh, in darkness and hath no light? 
Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Uh, the thing that impressed me about this was in reading, in reading something that George Truett wrote. He wrote it in regards to a sermon that, uh, uh, that, that he had been preaching a series of messages actually somewhere in Texas. Now, as you know, he preached up in the Dallas area all of those many years. But he was preaching somewhere, a revival meeting uh, in some little city in Texas. And while he was there, he met a woman who was, I mean, absolutely uh, uh, in his mind. And according to what he said, quote, he said, I had rarely seen anything to rank with her devotion. Her spirituality, her dedication really impressed him. Well, the meeting was over. He went back home. And uh, a few, few months later, another woman from that same church came to, to visit uh, uh, Dr. Truett. And so as she began to explain her reason for the visit, she said, I, I've come to see you about that woman uh, who was highly respected in the church, by the way. And she said her situation is unspeakably pitiful. And she said she's got to the place that uh, because of trouble, that sorrow and suffering, and it, it has just literally beaten her down to dust, and she's without any light. Those are her words. She's without any light. She said if you ask her the question, if she trusts Christ, she'll answer without any hesitation what Job said concerning the Lord, that though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And so she seemed to have all the confidence in the world in the Lord. But whenever, whenever she's going through these problems, she is in this terrible darkness and without any light. Do you have anything that I can share with her that would help her? And... Uh, so Brother Truett then began searching the Word of God and looking for something that was appropriate. And he said, this is when I discovered this particular verse. Now, I don't know how others might have discovered the truth in this verse, but I do know one thing, that we all have certain times in our life that we are in darkness instead of light. Times whenever we're in a pit of depression instead of up on the hills of glory shouting. There are times that we're going through difficulty and it might be that we're like the psalmist when he said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He was in a situation that he couldn't explain. He didn't know how he got there. Now, you know, sometimes we know why troubles come upon us. And as the children of God, we know that we can expect that to happen, especially if we're out of the will of God, because the Lord tells us in Hebrews chapter number 12, that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and he scourgeth every son that he receives. And so God deals with his children, not in the sense of punishing them, but in the sense of correcting them and training them. And that's all a part of the process that God uses in bringing us to maturity. And so sometimes when we're going through those difficult times, we can look at our life and we ought to. We ought to examine ourselves. 
We ought to ask ourselves, could it be that God has let this come upon me for this reason or that reason? And sometimes we discover the answer. But there are other times we don't have a clue. We have no idea why it's happened. Now here in our text this morning, I want you to notice, and this is, uh, this is so very important if you're here today and a Christian and you're wondering to yourself, you know, if I'm really a child of God, how in the world do I let myself get in such a, a bad state of mind? Here we see a child of the light in the darkness of night. That's exactly what we see. Uh, he, he's talking about somebody here that is a child of God. And, 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 and they're depressed, they're in danger. And, and by the way, when you're in darkness, you're in danger because in darkness you can't see what lies ahead. We're not aware of what is around us. That's why, you know, at night we use flashlights and things like that, right? You can't see. And, and if there's no light, well, then you are in great danger. Let me tell you, a lot of times we find ourselves in darkness, in depression, in despair. And more than ever at any other time, we need some sure guide to direct our steps lest we fall. Now, I want you to notice how this person is described. Look at the verse again. It's important that you understand this because he's not talking about somebody that's going around slitting throats, robbing banks, or doing some horrible sin He's talking about somebody. Notice he says, this person that feareth the Lord, somebody that obeyeth the voice, notice that obeyeth the voice of, that's the Lord's voice, of his servant. And I think in this case that's speaking of Christ because he refers to Christ as the servant of the Father. And so here is a man who is good and a man who is wise and, and, and usually, whenever somebody fears the Lord, when they obey the Lord, usually, you know, we expect everything to go all right for them. And a lot of times it does. There are no difficulties, you know. They're, they have joy unspeakable and full of glory and the peace that passeth all understanding, love that passeth knowledge, and they've got their act together, manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, and they're a blessing to everybody that is around them. That's, that's the usual case. But understand that usual isn't always. Usual isn't always. I've often said that even Christians sometimes act out of character. We, you know, due to the pressure that is upon us, the circumstances that we're in, we'll say things or do things that we ordinarily wouldn't do. Well, usually what is normal for a Christian is for a Christian to have joy unspeakable and full of glory and the peace that passeth all understanding and so forth. I mean, that's the norm for a Christian. But there are going to be times in our life that although we fear God, although we obey God, I mean, we're dotting all of the I's, we're crossing all of the T's, we think we're doing, and, and we're trying to do everything right. We can be doing basically everything right. You know, that's what happened to Job. He was more righteous than anybody in all of the land. He was the best man in the land. I'm telling you, there was nobody as righteous as Job. And, and yet his, his whole life fell apart. He lost absolutely everything he had except his relationship with God. His friends come along. Somebody said, you know, with friends like this, who needs enemies? 
But there all there there will always be these kind of people, and they come along and uh, accuse Job of having sinned against God. That Job, you know, this wouldn't have happened to you if there hadn't. There must be some sin you're not telling us about. You know, there must be some hidden sin in your life. But that wasn't the case at all. What Job went through had nothing to do with sin in his life. So you might be here today as a child of God in the will of God, doing everything that you know to do for the Lord and walking in darkness. I mean, you're, you're, you, 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 you just can't seem to break away from it. You just seem to, can't seem to get out of it. It could be because of, you know, um, several things. Maybe your natural temperament. Some people struggle with depression all of the days of their life. Charles Spurgeon, the, one of the greatest preachers that's ever lived, he had a problem with depression all of his life. And there are a lot of people that struggle with that. For somebody else, that darkness might be a disease. And I'll tell you, disease has a way of taking the fun out of life. Amen? I mean, all of a sudden, it's hard to be spiritual when you've got a migraine headache. It's hard to really, you know, to be as excited as somebody else whenever you're diagnosed with cancer. Disease might be the cause of it. It might, it might be trials that you're going through or pain that you're experiencing. It might be mental anguish. You see, listen, man is a complicated being. We're body, we're soul, and we're spirit. And all of those are interrelated. They all in some way, one part affecting the other part. And because we are all different, the experiences do not affect us all the same way. You know, the, the different people go through exactly the same thing, but it, it affects them differently. That's why it's never fair for you to impose your expectations on somebody else. You know, they're going through something, they crash and burn. But, I mean, you went through it just fine, and you expect them to do the same. And it might be they can't. And it's not fair for us to sit in judgment of them for what they're going through because what is a breeze for you might be a whirlwind for them. Now, I, we all wish we could escape those dark days, don't we? I mean, boy, it'd just be so wonderful, we think, and, and we, can't, we can't escape them, so we better learn to deal with them. Let me tell you. None of us are, will ever in this life reach a level of spiritual maturity that we are beyond the possibility of this happening. We're talking about a child of the light walking in the darkness of the night, stumbling along in, in, in danger as a result of it. And if it happened to the greatest of the saints, and, and it did, the, the Bible is, record is full of accounts of different great men and women who, due to whatever experience they went through, found themselves walking in darkness. In learning to deal with it, because we can't escape it, we have to learn it, to endure it, and to do that, we need to understand that one of the best things that we can do is to think about the possible reasons why God would let that happen. Because, by the way, now, God's not the author of sin, but make no mistake about it, God allows us to sin. 
You can jump off of a building if you want to. God will let you do that. He's not going to give you wings before you hit the ground. Uh, God has given you a free will. Amen? Look, so many times somebody says, you know, well, God wouldn't let that happen to me or God wouldn't cause that to happen. Let me tell you, God's got big shoulders. He didn't mind taking the blame for things that he's actually involved in. Whenever Moses started to complain and God wanted to use Moses, Moses said, oh, I can't do that. I can't go up to Pharaoh. He said, I'm of a slow tongue. He said, I'm not an eloquent speaker, you know. I'm just not into this public speaking thing. I could never do something like that. And the Lord said, who made the lame and who made the dumb and who made the blind? Did not I, the Lord... You look at a blind person or someone else that, you know, that can't hear or whatever the case might be, I want you to understand that God either caused it or God allowed it. God's in control. So in learning to deal with those dark days, it's important that we consider the possible reasons why it might happen. But look, you don't have to know the reason. All you've got to do is to know there is a reason. But in looking at the possibilities, all of a sudden, we we look at things from God's perspective and what God hopes to accomplish in our life. And all of a sudden, you know, we think, well, you know, it's difficult to go through and, 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 and I really don't understand it. But looking at the big picture, and that's what we don't do. You know, we're just looking at today. I mean, we just want things to get better right now. But sometimes things got to get worse before they can get better. And, and if God's going to do a work in our life, there are times that He has to expose us to things that we would never choose for ourselves. And so God steps in and He says, you won't choose it, I'll, I'll take over this situation. And God puts us in those difficulties. God allows that darkness of depression or whatever to come upon us And he always has a good reason for it. Always. But what could those reasons be? Well, there are several. It might be that it's to glorify God. Think about that. I I think about Mary and Martha, you know, whenever they found Lazarus was sick, Lazarus is about to die. Remember, this is a special family to the Lord. They were his dear friends. And he gets the message that Lazarus is sick. He, 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 he's about to die. I mean, you, we, you need to get there right now. Somebody might suppose, boy, the Lord, ought, should, he ought to respond to that immediately. I mean, let's hitch up the team and hit the road and get there. But he didn't. He just delayed day after day. And finally, whenever they're pleading with him and, and they, they said, Lazarus is sick. No, the Lord said he's dead. You don't understand. He's already dead. And remember, he, he's not there yet. He's dead. Why would God let something like that happen to somebody that he cared so much about? He said it is for the glory of God. We don't understand exactly how it's going to work, but we need to learn that the effect on God is more important than the effect on us. Most of the time, we look at everything on the basis of how how we benefit from it, what what we get out of it. 
You know, I, I remember going to the doctor a, a long, long time ago and I'd had a gallbladder attack, my, my first one. And man, I'm telling you what, I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought I was dying. So I go to the doctor and he, you know, he runs some tests, tells me what's wrong. And he says, look, you, you might go two or three months or longer and never have another gallbladder attack. Or he said, you might have another one tonight. And I said, if there's any possibility of ever having another gallbladder attack, I go ahead and do the surgery. And he did. And he did. Now, normally I wouldn't enjoy going through gallbladder surgery. Not back then when they cut you from here all the way around here. And he told me before, he said, look, it's not as serious, but I want you to understand this is going to be more painful than heart surgery. Because back then it was, by the way. Because they've got to cut through all the muscle and around there and, and so forth. But I would never choose to go through that except for the benefit that I derive from it. No more gallbladder attacks. Cut her open, doc. You know, get her out of there. Take care of it. And you see, we tend to do that in life so many times. Whatever the situation is, all we think about is what am I going to get out of it? How will this benefit me? How's this going to help me? Let me tell you, it doesn't make one bit of difference if it's to the glory of God. That's all that's important. That is our main reason for existence. And Paul understood that. Paul said whether by life or whether by death, his main goal in life was to glorify God. It didn't make any difference how. If it meant suffering, he was willing to suffer. And that ought to be our attitude about whatever it is that we're going through. That if some way God will be glorified as as the end result, that's all that's really important. Because his glory is a whole lot more important than your grief. But it might be something else in addition to that. It might simply be not only to glorify God, but it might be to get grace. Now, God is gracious all of the time. Don't misunderstand me. But there are times that our trials give God the occasion to give us grace, abundant grace. When it, when, when, you know, when everything's going good, you know, uh, even though God is gracious, there's so many times that we don't recognize God's grace. We don't see it until things are going bad. In other words, it's the light in the night that gets, that, that gets the tension, right? You don't look, notice light. I, I, I've got a flashlight somewhere here in my pocket. I, like David Scott, I don't go anywhere without my flashlight. And I, I got that little flashlight, and it's pretty bright. If I don't shine it right in your eyes, why, you know, you, you wouldn't even know I had that. I could preach up here holding that in my hand. You probably never noticed that. Why? Because there's light in here. But, but you turn the lights out, and that little booger will shine all the way back there to that wall, a spotlight. Why? Because you take notice of it when you're in darkness. And there's so many times we sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me while we're yawning. We're just not all that excited about God's grace until the bottom falls out, until we're going through a dark time in our life. And then all of a sudden we realize that the grace of God is there and it's not just there, 
it's sufficient because he who has the grace of God lacks nothing. It's always sufficient. In fact, according to the language experts, that literally means super sufficient. And that's what Paul went through over in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. He has this thorn in the flesh. Three times he goes to the Lord and he says, Lord, I want you to remove this. The Lord said, no, I'm not going to take it away. You're going to have to live with it. Why would he refuse a man like Paul? I mean, after all, Paul was a spiritual man. Paul was a man that loved him. Paul was a man that was greatly needed in the kingdom of God. Why in the world is he allowing Paul to go through all of this suffering and agony? It's because he is using Paul to glorify himself. And notice that he says, I'm not going to remove it, but he said, my grace will be sufficient. And it always is, folks. And and there's so many times that we do not recognize the grace of God in our life until we find ourselves in a dark place. And then all of a sudden, the bright light of His grace shines upon us and our path is illuminated and there's joy that fills our heart. But it might be another reason. You see, it could be, and it always is, and ultimately to glorify God. It might be to get grace, but it might be to gain faith. You know, we don't look for light unless it's night, do we? If it's not night, you don't, you don't need lights on. But boy, whenever the sun goes down and starts getting dark, you flip that switch. Why? You know, you don't want to stumble around in the dark. And there are a lot of times that it's in the hour of darkness that we see our need for light. And consequently, as a result of that, we gain faith whenever we turn to the Word of God and our path is illuminated by that which God has revealed to us. And now we're walking in the light. Peter said, you know, don't don't be surprised or shocked or think it a strange thing, these trials you're going through. Because a lot of times when we're going through a tough time, we we begin to think and to act like I'm the only person ever lived who had to go through something like this. Don't kid yourself. There are people who have gone through stuff worse than what you've gone through and what I've gone through. And let me tell you, it's whenever, when we're in that hour of darkness that finally God is able to develop our faith and our confidence in Him. But it could be another reason. It might be to give compassion. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, Paul's writing there and he said, the, he speaks about God as the God of all comfort. Isn't that, a, isn't that a great title for a great God? The God of all comfort. And he said he has comforted us in our tribulation. Why would God do that? Well, it would make me feel better. No, you're still looking at what you get out of it, right? That's the trap there. We're always thinking about how's this going to benefit me. It says God comforted us in all of our tribulation that we might be able to comfort others by the comfort that we received. Did you ever think about that, that God is letting you go through something that you would never choose for yourself, and He's doing it not so much for what you get out of it, but for the benefit that others will derive from it. Because let me tell you, the best helpers are usually those who have been hurt and helped. 
Not just hurt. Because some people get hurt and they get bitter. Other people get hurt and they get better. And whenever you find somebody that's been hurt deeply and they've been helped, boy, I'm telling you right now, the first thing they want to do is to be of a help to somebody else. They want to share with others what they have found in Christ, their comforter. But it might be something else. It might be to guard against pride. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 that I just mentioned in verse number 7, Paul is talking about an experience that he had gone through. Man, he was caught up into the third heaven and saw things not lawfully for man to utter. I, just, I can't imagine what in the world he saw. But he didn't come, he didn't, he didn't come back and write a book about it, did he? No. no, but he saw things that the Lord said, it's not even lawful for you to talk about this. And I, I've got to tell you, if it had been me going through an experience like that, I'm pretty sure I'd, I'd want to get to the printing press pretty quick and get my bestseller out on the market. Right? I, I'd want everybody to know what I've, what, 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 what I've done, what I've been through. But the Lord said, no, you, you can't do that. And to keep you from doing that, lest you be lifted up with pride, God turned loose a messenger of Satan to buffet him. Paul, this great man of God. And boy, the devil is working him over. And, and in all of that, God, listen, is protecting him. Look, Paul was great, but Paul wasn't perfect. And you might be the most spiritual-minded giant in this building this morning. Might be you've done more for Christ than anybody else. But you'll never get to the place that you are beyond that cloud of depression descending upon you. You'll never get to the place where you're beyond the possibility of stumbling and falling in the dark and acting out of character and doing something that'll bring shame and reproach upon you and upon your dear Savior. One of the worst enemies, maybe the worst enemy that we face, one of the greatest dangers we face is pride. It will literally destroy us. Do you know what it is that keeps people from being saved? It's pride. Yeah, that's right. That idea that they have that, I don't need what that preacher's talking about. All that might be good for others, but you know, I, I don't need that. I'll be good enough on my own. If I can't make it on my own, nobody can make it. Pride, that's all it is. It's pride to cause Satan to get cast out of heaven. It's pride keeps you from trusting Christ as your Savior. And it's that stubborn pride in our hearts so many times that hinders us from ever becoming all God wants us to be. So, God, in His sovereignty, God allows that darkness to descend upon us in order to guard us against pride, protect us, or deliver us from it. So those are some of the possible reasons. And as I said earlier, you don't have to know the reason. All you've got to do is understand there is a reason, and it's a good reason. It was designed by God Himself. 
the ruler of the wind and the waves, the one who designed and created heaven and earth, the one who is in charge of it all. Now, here, look, here's, here's the good news, and I'm through. I want you to notice the last part of this verse. Notice what he tells us here what to do. This person that fears God, this person that obeys God, he's doing everything right, and yet he's walking in darkness. What do you do? Trust in the name of the Lord. Notice, and stay upon his God. You see, God is the one that gives beauty for ashes, restores the years that the locusts have eaten, And whenever you're going through the furnace of affliction, you just remember that God, God has his hand on the thermostat. And he's never going to let it get any higher than what's necessary. And he has his eye on the clock. He's never going to leave you there any longer than what is needed. He is in control even when we're going through the fiery furnace of our trials. And whenever you find yourself in that pit of depression, in that darkness of night, do exactly what he says there. That's, look, that's the way to get through it. Amen? You're not going to escape it. But you can endure it if you'll do what he tells us to do in that verse. Really, that's pretty simple stuff, isn't it? I want you to notice again. I... I didn't have to refer to the Greek or the Hebrew or anything else, did I? No, trust in the name of the Lord. I've talked to people, you know, and explained to them the way of salvation and had them turn around and say to me, well, it's got to be more complicated than that. You know why they say that? Because they have in some way or another been influenced by some religion that teaches them, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. It might be that, well, you look, you've got to be baptized or you can't go to heaven. You've got to join our church. You've got to do this or whatever. No, look, it's just simple childlike faith. And if you're here this morning and you've never received Christ, I've been speaking mainly to those that, that are children of light, those that know Christ is their Savior They have been walking in the light and all of a sudden they take one step and now the lights go out and they are in darkness. I've been talking to them, but let me tell you, for those of you that don't know Christ, it'll all be darkness for eternity for you. Separated from the one who is the light of that city. That's what hell's all about. It's not so much about the flames and the heat and all of that. It's about being eternally separated from God. In heaven, there's no night there, no darkness. In hell, there's no light there. And you've got a decision to make this morning. You're either going to accept Christ or reject Christ. There's no middle of the road, no no being neutral. You're going to do one or the other. Either you'll humble yourself and receive Him or your pride, your stubborn pride will cause you to reject him. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Because you're only one heartbeat and one breath away from a devil's hell. Don't do that. 
Christ made every provision possible for you to be saved. And the Bible says, forget about what the Baptists say, forget about what the Catholics say, forget about what everybody else says. The Bible says, for by grace, through faith. Through faith, simple, childlike faith can change everything. And it can do it for you. Let's all stand together. Father, I pray this morning that you'll use your word and that you might do a work by your spirit to speak to hearts, that you'll change lives. And Lord, if nothing else is accomplished here today, if absolutely no need is met whatsoever, if nobody's heart is thrilled, nobody's life is changed, nothing seems to be accomplished, I pray that in all of this that you might be glorified, that we'll go away thinking about how great you are, how good you are. And Lord, for that one here today that's nearest hell, that one that's never been born again, may this be the day and the hour that they would humble themselves and trust Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. For we beg it in his dear name. Amen.